Welcome to Brit David Podcast, as Pastor Tim brings us an amazing Easter message entitled, The Heart of Easter, from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 36. Do you remember the first time you discovered that the chocolate bunny in your Easter basket was hollow? It's so disappointing. Imagine then discovering that your own heart is hollow. Many people go through life feeling empty. They say, We all have a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts that only He can fill. Why not let Jesus fill your heart today? Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. Woo, you can be seated. That's what mercy did for me. What a great, great song. You hold in your hand today, I hope, the greatest treasure that you could ever have on this earth. It's the Word of God. It is the revelation of God Himself to us. Without God's Word, you wouldn't know Him. Without God's Word, you wouldn't know what He has done. Without God's Word, you really wouldn't have hope for a great future. In God's Word are 66 books. Four of them are referred to as Gospels. Those Gospels are stories primarily centered on Jesus' life, on His earthly life, on His earthly ministry. All four of them sort of look at it from a little bit of a different perspective. All four of them write to a very different kind of audience, but all four of them share the same exact message. Matthew is very detailed. He is the former tax collector who thought that he was beyond saving, and yet God's mercy saved even him. Mark is the young one of the whole group, and he writes very quickly. Mark's gospel is is as short as it can be. He moves quickly from one subject to another, darting from one thing to another. Mark is that young man who is seen as a failure, but a great redemption story. If you recall, he goes out to be on mission with Paul, of all people, of all people to learn how to be a great missionary. You get to go out with the Apostle Paul. But he gets homesick. And the Bible says that Mark goes home to Mama. And he spends time there, and Paul really doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. Until the very end of Paul's life, and he tells Timothy... Go get Mark and bring him to me because he is useful for ministry. There's some of you out there that need to hear that today. There's John. John the Beloved. John who continually refers to himself in his own gospel as the one whom Jesus loved. It's like John writing and saying, I'm his favorite. You know what we've learned is, is that everybody's God's favorite. You know? But John, the youngest of the disciples, the only one brave enough to be there at the cross, the one to whom Jesus looks at and says, please take care of my mother, in very different words, but giving charge of her to him. John is the one who will outlive them all. John is the one who will be exiled to Patmos. John will be the one who will see what the afterlife really is like and try to write it and try to explain it in words that you and I can understand. And then fourthly, there's Luke. 
Luke is the most educated of them all. Luke is a doctor, a physician. Luke is a historian. Luke himself is a missionary as he goes with Paul and with Silas and with Timothy. Luke writes both his gospel and the book of Acts to a man by the name of Theophilus, whom he wants to give, he says, an orderly account of all of the things that has happened to Jesus. He says not only is it an orderly account, it is an informed account. As he interviews people directly in Jesus' life, like Peter, like his mother Mary. Let me change subjects very quickly. I have a friend who, in his working, began to get short of breath. He just couldn't catch his breath for long. He couldn't do much for very long until he, he would have to sit down and then catch his breath. And it seemed to get a little bit worse and a little bit worse. He did exactly what you would want him to do. He went to see a cardiologist. And he took those tests on the treadmill. Got a clean bill of health at that point, but making sure that there's not something that's there. If you have chest pains today, you may end up going to the emergency room. If you had those shortness of breath episodes, you may seek out a doctor. I tell you that to tell you this. If I want to know what Easter is really about, I want to go to the person who really knows. I want to go to the one who is very detailed in his account, the one who is informed, the one who's interviewed all sorts of people, the one who can look at that and say, this is the evidence that Jesus has indeed been risen from the dead. I want to know that. And so it doesn't hurt that I get to go to the doctor, you know? It just reminds me, I may not have palpitations. I may not have shortness of breath. I may not have chest pains. But I have a heart condition. I have a heart condition. And you do too. The question is, what condition is your heart in? So let's go to the doctor and try to find out. You have your Bible? Let's go to your third gospel. The gospel of Luke, chapter number 24. As the scene begins to open... Jesus has already died on the cross. He has already been buried. Some of the easier preparations have already been done for His burial, but it's not complete. The Sabbath has now concluded their day of rest, a day where it seems like at least nothing has been going on except for a whole lot of sadness. And that's where we open up our reading. Look with me, if you will, Luke chapter number 24, beginning in verse number 1. Sunday opens up with, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. 
but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. Let's stop there for just a moment. What condition is your heart in? For some of these disciples, for some of these women especially, they have an unsettled heart. Do you have an unsettled heart today? I mean, unsettled in, in, the, in, in an understandable way. I mean, it's understandable that they are upset. It's understandable that they are unsettled. Things have just turned topsy-turvy for them over the course of this East first Easter weekend. I want us to dig into this passage just a little bit more and see what it is that makes a heart so unsettled. So if you're wondering, if you're saying, well, Tim, I don't know. You asked me, do I have an unsettled heart? I don't know if I do or not. Well, then think about these three things. Number one, they were saddened. They were saddened. Their hearts were marked by grief. I mean, the women who open up this, this final chapter of Luke, they're sad as they approach the tomb. They're, they're sad and they are unsettled. And they are, in verse number 4, it says that they are perplexed about these things. In verse number 17, Jesus is going to meet those men on the, on the road to Emmaus. In verse number 17, it's going to say that they are sad. Jesus is going to notice that. Jesus notices it when you're sad. Jesus notices it when you have tears. He notices it when you weep. He notices it when your heart is unsettled. And He wants to steady it for you. Is your heart unsettled? It may be if you're sad. But that's not all what all unsettled their hearts. Not only are they saddened, they were startled. They were startled. Their hearts are marked by fear. I mean... First of all, they did not find what they expected. When they get to the tomb, remember they're, they're discussing along the way, who's going who's gonna to move the rock for us? Who's going to roll that big old stone out of the way for us? How are we even going to get in? Did we even think about that? You know? And then they get there and that becomes the least of their problems. I mean, what they expect to find is the body of the Lord Jesus laying in that tomb just like they left him on Friday, 
just like they left him right before Sabbath started, and they had to rush out of there and go, that's exactly what they expected to find. I mean, the body's not going anywhere, is it? And yet, it certainly is. They have the idea that someone has stolen his body. If, if you want to imagine what it might have been like for them, I don't know if your home or maybe your vehicle has been broken into. It feels like you've been violated, hasn't it? There is a, there is a rush of fear. If you get home and your door is standing open and you didn't leave it that way, and you go in and things are disrupted, just there's a strike of fear that goes up your backbone, isn't it? That's somewhat what these women are, are experiencing. And verse number five is, is the understatement of the year. Begins by saying, as they were afraid. Well, of course they're afraid. The body is gone. And then these angels show up. Their heart is deeply unsettled. Yours may be too. Maybe, you're, maybe your heart is unsettled because of sadness and grief. Maybe your heart is unsettled because of, of fear or of terror. Or thirdly, they were also suppressed. They were suppressed. They were, they were crushed. Their heart is crushed. I mean, when the angels come and say to them, Who are you looking for? He's not here. He's risen. And then saying this, Don't you remember? Jesus said that he would be crucified. Jesus said that on the third day he would rise again. Don't you remember? And the Bible says in verse number 8, they remembered his words. What was fear has been turned into joy. They are now ecstatic about this. And they make a beeline back to that upper room where they left the disciples where they left those disciples cowering in fear. Let's go back and tell the boys what has happened. And when they go, you know they're so excited. Guys, guys, you will not believe this. We got to the tomb, and he's not there. He said he wasn't going to be there. The angels were there, and the angels reminded us that he would rise again, and he is risen again. You see how verse number 11, or where we finished in the middle of verse number 11? Their words to them seemed like idle tales. You ever tell somebody something? News. You're super excited about it. And then comes the cold water committee. <laughs> you know? Man, I mean, they just put a damper on everything. That's how it was for these ladies. That's how it is for some of you. You have your opinions. You have the things that you want. You've got the things that you're going through. You have things in your life that you are genuinely excited about. You expect others to be that way too. When they're not, it's just like pulling the rug out from under you. You know? And your heart becomes unsettled. Do you have an unsettled heart? Let me ask you a second question. 
Not do you have an unsettled heart. Do you have an unbalanced heart? Do you have an unbalanced heart? I mean, their world is topsy-turvy. The rug really has been ripped out from under them. The emotions that they have experienced on this first Easter weekend have been like a roller coaster. And we know good and well that we're not supposed to allow our feelings, our emotions to dictate what our lives are going to be like. Sometimes our emotions are so strong that they overtake solid thinking. They overtake sound reasoning. They overpower good sense even. We find ourselves with a heart that just seems out of whack. A heart that seems to always be on a roller coaster. To be there, be way, way up, or to be way, way down. It's an unbalanced heart. The disciples are not immune to that. You're not immune to that. This is how I know that their heart is unbalanced. Number one, they wavered. They wavered. Their heart was marked by unbelief. Look, if you will, at the end of verse number 11. We got the first part of that. Their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. I mean, of all the people, of all the people who should have believed, of all the people who should have been quick to believe, Surely it would be these 11 disciples. Judas is already gone. Surely it would be these people. They've already been told, not only about his death, but they've also been told about his resurrection. Surely they're going to jump in line, aren't they? You and I know very well that living by faith instead of living by sight can be difficult. Can it? It can You may even say, you may hear somebody say, well, I mean, I know what the Bible says, but whatever comes after the but is not worth listening to. Just know what the Bible says. Believe what the Bible says and allow your feelings to get where they need to be. Listen, if you think about a train, you know, you've got a, you've got an engine, you got some cars, you got a caboose, right? All right? If you put your feelings in the, in the engine car, that engine car is going to drive you wherever it wants to go. When you feel happy, it's going to take you up, up, up. And when you're sad, it's going to take you down, down, down. And when you're mad, you're probably just going to try to run into somebody. You know, it is a train wreck waiting to happen for sure. So what we do sometimes is we put our feelings in the engine car, and we take our faith, and we stick it back there in the caboose, and we allow our faith to be dragged around with our feelings. So sometimes we think, man, God is great. God hears my prayers. God answers my prayers. Then there are other days we think, man, I pray, and my, my prayers, they, they just bounce off the ceiling. God must be a million miles away. God doesn't listen to me. God doesn't care about me. All the while, you know good and well that that's not true, right? So instead, take your faith 
It's based on facts. It's not based on feelings. And you put it in the engine car. And you allow your faith to drive your life. Now your faith is going in the direction that God wants it to go. When God wants you to go up, you go up. When God wants you to go down, you go down. It's not based on your perceptions. It's based on His purpose. Your feelings can be in line. These people, they wavered. Let me read the bulk of this for you. Or let's read it together. Let's pick up in verse number 12 where we left off. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself what had happened. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things that had happened. All right, so you got two different pictures that are there, right? So we're talking about having an unbalanced heart. Sometimes it's because we waver in our faith. But sometimes, number two, it's just because we wish. You know, they did, they wished. There's a, I hate to say it this way, but there's a hopeless wish. Sometimes it's, it's, not a, it's not a wish that's based on faith. It's not a wish that's based on fact. It's just a wish that is based on possibility. I wish things were different. I wish the Lord were here. I wish he had not had to go through that. I wish I'm not having to go through what I'm going through. I mean, even though they didn't believe his report, the report that was given to them by the women, Peter still runs to see for himself. It's almost as if he's saying, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's, a, maybe there's a tinge of truth in there somewhere. Peter is wavering, and Peter is wishful. But then we get to meet these other two disciples. They've left Jerusalem, and they're on their way to the city of Emmaus which the Bible says is about seven miles away. That's a pretty good hike, isn't it, when you're walking it? What we learn from them is, kind of like with Peter, their heart is unbalanced because they're wondering. They just, they just wondered. Their heart is, is marked by contemplation, trying to, trying to figure things out. The Bible says about Peter that he marveled within himself or marveling to himself. These two disciples are doing the exact same thing. They're walking down the road, and they're talking about, discussing, the events of the weekend. Contemplation and discussion usually doesn't lead to faith. Contemplation and discussion usually talks you into the route of an excuse for faith. This is why we shouldn't believe. This is why we shouldn't act. This is why we shouldn't do what we do. All the while, I know in my head, I'm, I'm supposed to believe. I just can't hardly get there. I know that I'm supposed to do and to act and to be, and I just can't get there. It's an unbalanced heart that leads you there. Do you have an unbalanced heart? 
Do you have an unsettled heart? If you do, then there's some good news in this passage for you today. In fact, in a couple of different ways, as we finish out this story with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, I want you to know that you can have an understanding heart today. You can have an understanding heart. I mean, with all the indecision that we see in this passage, man, how good it is to know that a change is coming. So that when you are in times of indecision, know that change can come. Know that God can indeed work in and through and around and with your circumstances. They're like you. They want to believe. And they want to do right. And like many of you, they just need a little help. They just need a little help. You know where their help's going to come from? It's going to come from Jesus. You know where your help's going to come from? It's going to come from Jesus. That's right. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim concludes his Easter message from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 36, entitled, The Heart of Easter. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.